now to your word. And our prayer is the prayer of the psalmist. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Show us just how steadfast, Father, you are today as we open up your book. Make our hearts to be receptive to this truth. Change us into the image of Christ. Encourage our hearts today in your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This week I was reading the Psalms and smiling because I just love the Psalms so much. And as I was reading, I, I was surprised really to see just how much the Psalms talk about family and how much they talk about even my role as a father. And they talk about grandfathers and grandmothers and all of those things. Let me give you one example. Psalm 103 and verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. The comparison of the compassion of a father towards his children and our heavenly father's compassion towards us. We often don't reflect enough on that connection between a father a father's love for his children and the heavenly father's love for us as his children. And because we don't often see that connection and meditate on that connection and maybe just grasp more and more that connection, fathership has fallen on hard times. It is, I'm not going to go into how the family and fatherhood has fallen on hard times in the culture. That's, I think, obvious. But fatherhood has fallen on hard times even in our churches. And there are many reasons for this. Broken homes and bad examples and busy schedules and being paralyzed by shame and regret and on and on it goes. But I think the greatest reason that Christian fathers struggle is that they don't fully and increasingly grasp and reflect and understand and meditate on the compassion that the Heavenly Father has for them. They don't really get their identity as sons of the Father. Because they don't experience that compassion, 
They're not able to give that compassion away. And our Lord Jesus Christ, when He was in the upper room teaching His disciples, His twelve disciples, His last word, other than His high priestly prayer, which is to His Father, His last word to His disciples was to, was to really drive home the great love, the, surpri- the surprising love that the Father had for each of them. So take your Bibles, and I want you to turn back to that place in John chapter 16. And on this Father's Day, I want all of us, kids and fathers and men who aren't fathers yet, can't be fathers, women, all of us need to know who we are and that relationship we have to our Heavenly Father. And we're going to unpack verses 25 through 28 of the final words of Christ to his disciples before he goes to the cross of Calvary. Let's read John chapter 16. I need to turn to that place. John chapter 16 and find verse 25. Jesus says to his disciples, These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly of the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf For the Father Himself loves you because you have loved Me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. It's all about the Father as Jesus closes the upper room discourse because... In the age of the Spirit, after the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, when the Spirit was poured forth, we have, in a special way, an intimate love relationship with the Father. I would say to you dads out there, the most fundamental way to grow as a father is to grow in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And so we're going to look in this text, there are three ways that believers who are sons and daughters of the Most High God already can grow in that relationship with their Heavenly Father. And they're going to seem very obvious, but the truth is going to take some thinking. So here we go. Number one way to grow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father is, are you ready? By reading the Bible. You can take notes if you'd like. By reading the Bible, verse 25. Look at the text. Watch this. These things, Jesus said, I have spoken to you in figurative language. It's not a parable designed, that word isn't a parable designed to obscure truth for judgment. That is the idea of, I'm going to give you some figurative language. I'm going to use just the terms you can understand. An hour is coming... 
when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but in that time I will tell you plainly of the Father. I'll speak to you plainly about the Father. Listen to me today. What comes into your mind, as one theologian said, A.W. Tozier, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What do we think about when we think about God as Father? Do we know types and shadows and figurative speech and parables about the Father? Or has the Spirit through the Word spoken plainly to us about the Father? Stuart Scott gives four common options about what comes into our minds and our hearts when you think about God as Father. Number one, the Father is a genie who is obligated to grant wishes if you do enough good things. Or, the Father is a distant ogre. He's a distant ogre who is mean. He's always angry. Jesus is the kind one. The Father is the angry one. He carries a big stick. And He enjoys inflicting hardship and discipline. And that's people's view of the Father. Or, The Father is a spiritual psychotherapist who exists only to make you feel better. Or, the Father is a kindly grandpa who winks at your sin and gives you candy, but is losing his sight and hearing so he doesn't see your your bad and your sin, and he chuckles if he does because you're really cute. We have these views of our Father. And often a bad relationship, a broken relationship with an earthly father, the pain from an earthly father can, can skew our view of fatherhood and our own relationship with our heavenly father. How day after day you, you tried to earn maybe the approval of your father and you've fallen short and so it can't help but try to earn the approval of your heavenly Father. But you have to understand, Jesus wants to disclose the Father to His people. That's what He's all about. He is the Word. That is, He is the disclosure of the Father. Even in the Old Testament, In the types and shadows, we see God, we see His justice, and we see His desire to exercise loving kindness, and we know that it's going to happen through sacrifice and substitution. And even when God would reveal Himself, it would be the Son who would reveal God in what's called a Christophany. We see His blazing glory and get a glimpse of God in types and shadows and in pictures through the Son, even in the Old Testament. Because Jesus, God the Son, came to reveal the Father to us by the Holy Spirit. Okay, if you can turn, if you're quick, we're going to do some good flipping around. Hebrews chapter 1. I'll just read it. Listen to this. God, Hebrews 1.1. God, 
after He spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, God has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. And He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the word of His power. He is the word. And that's how John introduces the Son, doesn't he? He says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was somehow with God, distinct from God, and yet the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and yet, what's so amazing, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, listen to this. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. Right? The Son. He has explained Him. He has exegeted Him. He revealed Him in the Old Testament with the Christophanies and through the sacrificial system and the promise of the Messiah, promising to bring us to God and reveal the Father to us. But He came and He is the exegesis of the Father. He is the explanation of the Father. That's who Jesus is and what He came to do. And so that when He stops for a Samaritan woman who's a sinner and an adulterer. He speaks with her kindly and reveals Himself to her. We are to say and we are to remember that is God. That is what God is like. And when we see Him weeping at the tomb of Lazarus, at sin and evil, and then coming in power and saying, Lazarus, come forth. We are to remember that is God at work. That's who He is and that is what He is like. We see Him on trial and under arrest and whipped and scourged. That is God at work. That is the great heart of God for sinners like us. When we see him sitting by a charcoal fire, calling Peter over to himself and restoring a fallen disciple three times, but putting him into service, even after failure, we are to remember that's God's heart for his children. That's who he is, and that is what he is like. And so Jesus comes and he shows us the Father. Come on, Philip, have you not been with me so long? If you've seen me, you've seen the. And so Jesus comes and he's showing and he's telling and he's speaking in figurative language of the bread of life, of the living water, of the good shepherd, of the light of the world, picking up on themes all throughout the, the word of God. And he's giving them what they can handle as he reveals the Father to him. But there will be a time that is soon to come after His death and resurrection and the pouring forth of the Spirit when He will speak some more. And the Spirit Himself doesn't have an agenda. The Spirit Himself will speak of Christ and show the Father as He reveals the Father. And I want you to see this because it's really important. 
So I hope you're in John 16. I want you to see this. John chapter 14 and verse 25. These things, Jesus said, still in the upper room, these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. So he said quite a bit to the disciples, right? In Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, future, at Pentecost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. That's a promise of the gospel records that will be recorded. And, and an explanation of the gospel records, a teaching of the meaning, of the depth. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle it until the Spirit came. And then I will tell you plainly of the Father. And flip over one page to our chapter in John chapter 16. Verse 12. And Jesus says, I have many more things to say to you, but you can't handle the truth. No, you cannot bear them now. Not until I come back. I rise from the grave. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of Mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore I said that He takes of Mine and He will disclose it to you. Do you see? Jesus prophesies the full canon of Scripture. He prophesies that they'll bring back to remembrance the Gospel records. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He promises that He'll lead them beyond the figurative language of the parables and the miracles. And he'll, they will, He will come and He will guide those holy writers, right? And an explanation of that truth. And that's the epistles we have in the New Testament. And He will disclose to us the things to come and we have the book of Revelation. And so we have in this book the plain disclosure of the Father, a fulfillment of the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'd say to you, Jesus has spoken plainly of the Father. We're past the death and resurrection. He's revealed Himself in the book of God. Old and New Testaments. <laughs> the disciples had the tip of the iceberg. They couldn't handle anymore. We have the Scriptures. How exciting is it that we have the whole iceberg right here? God is waiting to explode from Genesis Genesis to Revelation, through the Spirit, He's waiting to explode and disclose the Father's love and plan for us, infinity of depth. And so that if you want to grow in your relationship with the Father, you do it by the Holy Spirit, by reading the Bible. It's not boring, it's alive. The Spirit makes it alive and He'll show you a full disclosure of the Father's love for you in the reading of the Word of God. Secondly, I'm hoping that you'll understand why you pray and read the Bible here today. Secondly, you grow in your intimate relationship with the Father by praying to the Father. By praying to the Father. Number two, Look at it in verse 26. 
in that day you will ask in my name. So there's something unique that's going to happen in that day. Prayer in Jesus' name. And I do not say to you that I will request the Father on your behalf. Now let's catch this. The clarification that Jesus makes in verse 26. Yes, Jesus is alive. He ever lives to intercede for us that our faith would not fail. But Jesus is not going to pray for us like this. You know, God is distant and, and He's unapproachable. And so Jesus is our friend. So we go to Jesus, hey, we whisper to Him some requests and then He turns around because we can't go and He'll go to the Father and I'll have, no, Jesus is making a clarification. No. You will go directly to the Father in My name. The Father will receive you Himself. He will accept you Himself. He will hear your request directly. Why? For the Father Himself That's shocking to the Jews of that day. To call God my Father? To go to Him directly? No, no. Why? Because the Father Himself loves you. The Father Himself loves you, Jesus says. Go to Him because He loves you. He will receive you. The Father is affectionate towards you. You I don't need to persuade Him, Jesus says, to be gracious to you, to hear you, to give an ear to you. And this love is not agape love, but phileo. And I think in this case, it probably means something. It's the same root word where Jesus speaks to His disciples as friend. There's a display of friendship, an intimacy of communication with a friend, a gracious encouragement. This is the love of the Father of affection towards you, of tenderness to you. Let me say something shocking to you. God likes you. He likes you. And so you can pray to Him. You don't need to Come to me, Jesus says, to present the request instead. Go to the Father. He wants to hear from you. He wants to see you. He's tenderly affectionate towards you. You can go to Him directly. It was shocking to them, this sort of intimacy and conversation and time and nearness. Oh, Dad, in this room, our kids come to us because... The Father likes us. We like our kids. It's the same thing. Grace to us. Grace to them. Uh, This is deep theology, so I'll go quickly. It's not my point to, to get us lost here in verse 27. For the Father Himself loves you because you have loved Me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. I think simply what this is saying is this. The sheep of God, whom God has set His love upon from before times eternal, are born what? In sin and enemies of God. Separated from God. Hostility with God. And he's saying that the reason that you have this tender, close, intimate relationship with God as Father 
is because that enmity is, gonna, is gone. I'm going to take care of it at the cross of Calvary. That rebellion, that sin that separated you from God and alienated you from God is going to be gone. And when that is gone, then God will get His heart's desire towards you. He will draw near to you and He will bring you in. He will adopt you as sons. Now, this was not revealed to them in the upper room. And so we get to put this into practice and show how the epistles spoke plainly of this plan and of the Father. So take your Bibles and let's do this. Let me show you how this works by turning to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Now, we had the tip of the iceberg in the Gospel records. Now we get to see some of the iceberg in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Galatians 4, 1 through 7. Now Paul is writing, right? These are the words of Christ through the Spirit, through the Apostle Paul. You couldn't handle it then. I'm putting it in now. And we have it in the book. Now I say, verse 1, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is an owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the Father. So also we, while we were children, we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We have received the adoption as sons. No longer enmity. No longer enemies. No longer the spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption by which we come to God and we call Him Abba, Father, Daddy. The most intimate expression in Aramaic of tenderness and relationship that we have with our Father adopted as sons. His relationship to us isn't holding a big stick going like this with a frown on His face all the time. He loves us. He likes us. The intimacy of prayer is Abba, Father. The best prayers that you've ever prayed are, Lord, help me. I know you love me. I need you, Daddy. And you crawl up into His lap. And you're safe in His lap. You can ask Him anything in my name. Oh, believer, hear me. Today on this Father's Day, if you want to kind of give your kids this compassion, you got to understand the compassion of the Father. The Father loves you. You are special to Him. You are His beloved. He's no longer angry at you. He receives you. You don't got to earn His favor. He does discipline us as sons. What good dad doesn't discipline his sons? But He'll never leave you or forsake you. And He loves you with an everla everlasting love. And you can go to Him. This is really prayer. You can go to Him directly. Oh, Lord, I need You. And He will hear you forever. 
unconditional love to us, unconditional love to our children. So the second way we can grow in this intimate relationship with the Father is by praying to the Father, going directly to Him. But I want you to notice in that day, Jesus says you're going to pray in a different way. You're going to pray in my name. And that leads me to the third point about, really, you want to grow as, as fathers today? Number one, you've got to grow in your understanding and your relationship with your heavenly Father. And then, having experienced that, you can give it away to your kids. You do that by the full disclosure of the Father and the Word of God through the Spirit. The Word of the Word to you. And you do that by drawing near to your Father in the intimacy of, of prayer. What a blessing it is. But these two hinge on the third way to grow in your intimate relationship from the Father from this text. And it is this. And I don't know a good word for it. They're all falling short. By appreciating the Gospel, verse 28. By wallowing in the gospel by being absorbed with the gospel. You pick your word. Understanding doesn't work. By appreciating the gospel. That's what Jesus does next. Look at verse 28. Verse 28. Verse 27 says, For the Father Himself loves you because you have loved Me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. Verse 28 is the good news of the Gospel. The, really the theme of the whole Scripture. Jesus' last theological word before the cross is here in the plan of God. Verse 28. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. The beginning of the verse the Father. The end of the verse, Father. And it's Jesus who's coming down to get us and bringing us up to the Father with Him. That is the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And He will do it. For your, for, uh, for your theologians out there, there's four verbs right here. This is good. So you can use this verse to share the Gospel. I came forth from the Father. That's the Word becoming flesh. That's Jesus taking on flesh. That's Christmas time where He's born in a manger. Okay? I, have, I came forth from the Father. I have come into the world. That's the God-man. That's living it out. Living a perfect life in our place. That's the life of Christ. So the incarnation of Christ. The life of Christ. The holiness of Christ. I have come into the world. I'm leaving the world again. That is the death and resurrection of Christ. And I am going to the Father. That is the ascension of Christ. And what happens if, when Jesus goes to the Father? He sends forth the Spirit into our hearts by which we cry, Abba, Father. Now listen, Jesus came for us. He came into the sinful world. He lived the perfect life that we failed to live. He died as a substitutionary sin, death in our place. He conquered our sin. He went back to the Father. There's a man in heaven. The God-man is there. He's made it 
And then it's not done until He sends forth the Spirit. The seal of the Spirit. He's put us here. It's the possession. We're linked to Jesus Christ. If He has made it home, we have to make it home too. And that is the whole Gospel there. Access with the Father. He came and got us. We're separated from Him to bring us back to Him. That is the good news of the Gospel. And by understanding that and meditating on one word, access, presence, which I could argue is the theme of the Bible in many ways, we see if we grow on that understanding of what all that the triune God did to take sinful, separated people and bring them back into the family, we will be blown away. And so let's, for the last few minutes, appreciate and meditate on the Gospel so that we might grow to understand the deep love of the triune God for us. And in growing in that love, we can do what? Dads, moms, kids. We can give that love away through the Spirit. Access. And this is why... We have the whole book. Adam and Eve sinned against God. They were ashamed and they covered themselves with death. They hid from God in the cool of God. They used to walk with God in the cool of the garden and enjoy God's intimate presence and His fellowship, but instead they died spiritually. They were separated from Him, driven out of the garden. They could not return. It was guarded by a cherubim with a flaming, swirling sword. And later in Israel, the tabernacle and the temple were built. A place where God Himself and His presence was found. The Shekinah glory of God. And the Levites' function was to bring the Israelites in fear and trembling before the presence of a thrice holy God. And only the high priest could ever enter and that once a year with a bell tied to his toe to enter the Holy of Holies, having made careful preparations. It was a fearful thing to approach the living God. And guess what? On separate, what was on that veil separating the Holy of the Holies from the people? A cherubim with a flaming sword sewn right in. And then the visible presence of God because of the constant failure and sin of Israel left the temple recorded for us by the prophet Ezekiel. Ichabod, the glory departed due to the sin of Israel and the hardness of their heart. And he departed and then the glory ascended from the Mount of Olives and went up and wasn't seen for 400 years of darkness. But then something wonderful happened. The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. A baby was born to Mary. And in Him the glory of God has returned. In Him God has dwelt again with His people. In Him Jesus is Emmanuel. God is with us to, again in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the one who called His own body a temple. And so at His death, at the death of our Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary, when He died and He said, it is finished, the veil in the temple with the flaming sword torn asunder from top to bottom, symbolizing direct access and presence 
with the Father. The Father who loves you. Don't, I know it's strange, He says to His disciples. You don't need to go to Me. I'm not going to whisper prayer requests in His ears. You can go to the Father for He loves you. He likes you. And His Spirit has been poured out to dwell in us so that we can actually experience through the Spirit the very love that the Father has for His Son. He has for us in Christ through the Spirit. So when He says, this is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased in Christ, He says that to you today. You can parent out of that position. The spirit of fear is gone. It's been replaced by the spirit of adoption. As Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, this actually makes sense of the entire book of Hebrews what we're saying. Hebrews 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that is prayer. No longer afraid to come, but coming boldly and confidently. Not doing some work to please God, no, because all the work is done. He said it was finished. That is what it means to pray in His name. That is what it means not to come to God the Father in cringing fear, but to come to Him as a, as a child with intimate love through God the Father. This is the truth we rejoice in this Father's Day. This is the truth, Dad, that will unpack your spirit-led ability to grow as a father. For as in Hebrews 13, verse 18 says, now listen to this. Turn to it if you're fast. Hebrews 13, verse 18, as I can't tell you this Hebrew stuff now, but I'm going to talk about it later. And so he gave us the book of Hebrews to disclose the Father to us. So he says these things in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18. For this is us. This is the old covenant compared to the new covenant in Christ. For you have not come, verse 18 of Hebrews 13, to a mountain that can be touched into a blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind and to the blast of a trumpet, and to the sound of words, which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they could not bear the command if even a beast touches the mountain. It will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am fear, I'm full of fear and trembling. The friend of God was full of fear and trembling. But, we haven't come to that in Christ Jesus. The veil has been rent. Verse 22, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, you've come to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus Jesus 
the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. We come to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ and in Christ by faith alone, brother, sister, you have the greatest possible assurance and acceptance before a holy God. And since Jesus has been accepted, and He's made it home to heaven, He's passed through the heavens, through the veil, you too will make it home. You are right now experiencing eternal life, accepted by the Father. Go to Him. Go to Him. Dr. Rufus Jones told a story about a mother seeking to encourage her little girl. A little girl is four or five years old and had a dreadful fear of the dark. Couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep much. The mother assured the daughter that she not, need not to be afraid in the nighttime because God was with her. But the little theologian girl said, I'm not sure, I don't feel it. She didn't have any understanding of the omnipresence of God or his special concern for her personally. She just replied bluntly, five or six years of age, I don't want God. I want someone with a face. Brother, sister, you have beheld the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's not distant. He's not up there. He is, but He's near to us through Jesus Christ. He's not distant. He is near. And we've seen Him. We've seen His glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Yes, you need to have discipline to be a dad. Your kids want to see your face too. And you can go to all the parenting classes, right? Well, it was a year-long parenting class we did, guys. We were in my class. We can go to all of those over and over again. But the best way to grow as parents is to grow in your understanding and knowledge and intimacy in your relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit of the living God. That is the way that we will grow as fathers. That is the way we will fulfill 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See how great a love, this is what I'm trying to show you, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know Him. He's had to remind them, beloved, now, right now, not then after we earn it, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on 
him, purifies himself just as he is pure. And so dads, that's my prayer for all of us this morning. It's going to take more faith in the good news of Jesus to be a growing Christian father. Go after the father. Go after him. He likes you a lot. Heavenly Father, we are blown away by the unity of your word from Genesis to Revelation. We are astounded that you came and got us, that you brought us out of the cesspool and the, the dumpster of sin, wallowing in our blood. You came after us, you cleaned us up, you put a robe of righteousness on us and you brought us into your home and seated us at the table. Thank you, Father, that you love with an everlasting love. And we are so excited to grow in that relationship with you right here, right now, that eternal life with you has begun now. And we're excited for the future you have for us. I cannot see and our brains can't even imagine the glory that you have revealed to us as we fellowship with you, as you come down to us on a new earth for a succession of moments, for there will be time without end in your presence. We are grateful to be wrapped up into the love of God in Christ. Bless our days now as we meditate on these things. Make us not to leave and let them go, but to stay here and to grow in an understanding and experience of our intimate relationship with you, Father. And we pray this, this side of the cross, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please rise if you're able to stand, and we'll sing a song that ties in very wonderfully with that message. <laughs>